once you're a runner, you're always a runner. And when somebody tells you you can't do it anymore, I think sometimes once I got over my pity party, I was like, but I can. Dizwins Radio episode 818 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, today's episode of the show is brought to you by the Little Things Course, something you may have heard me talk about before. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but uh, in case you have heard and haven't checked it out yet, or in case you haven't heard and you might be interested in checking it out, uh, I created this free course that outlines what I call the little things, which are kind of some of those those ancillary things that we do outside of running that on the surface may not seem like much. But when you really start to think about it, really start to to dive deep, they really make a big difference. So they're the types of things that, that I would say contribute just about as much to your success, if not maybe even a little bit more to your success and your growth as a runner as the actual running does. Like, like we think that, that it's all about our running and all about our training, the miles we get in, and that stuff's important, but the little things, kind of important too. So if you're looking at, at maybe try, trying to, to get your dietary game, your, your nutrition game on track or improving your sleep game, which is something that I'm working on this year for sure. Um, maybe you're worried about or trying to, to incorporate a bit more cross training or some speeding up your recovery with soft tissue work, foam rolling, massage work, things like that. Uh, those are kind of the four pillars that uh, covering in the Little Things course, all free, various videos, uh, blog posts, resource guides, all kinds of stuff that you can check out. And uh, all you got to do is head over to disruns.com slash little things, sign yourself up, dive into the course. And if you learn one thing, then I think you got more than your money's worth, right? If, if you learn one thing that'll help you, you got you got more than free uh, worth of value out of it. So that's that's the hope. That's the goal. That will hopefully be something that helps you take your running to the next level in 2020 and beyond. So check it out, disruns.com slash little things. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, every so often I see someone on social media who I pretty much immediately invite on the show due to basically just reading their bio. And uh, today's guest is uh, one such one such example. Uh, she calls herself the tallest the tallest runner, which probably would have been enough to you know pique my interest right there in, in and of itself. But then in reading her her uh, Twitter bio, she also shares that she's a recently published uh, author writing her a memoir in which she uh, details her battle with sepsis that ultimately led to having her have to get her toes amputated. So uh, needless to say, uh, this, today's guest, this woman has a, an incredible story, and I'm certainly looking forward to hearing more about it and uh, find out a little bit more about what makes her tick. So uh, without any further ado, it's a pleasure to welcome Ms. Maria Papalia Meyer to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Maria. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, looking looking forward to it, and uh, you know, lo- love when you kind of know that there's going to be some rough patches, but you know it's going to have a, a positive outcome, which which you know we kind of let that cat out of the bag in case people haven't figured it out already. Uh, but but we'll get into all of it as we go. But once again, guys, if you want to hang out with Maria, check her out on social media, check out her book, all that good stuff. Uh, the is the website. On Instagram and Twitter, uh, it's it's her her last name uh, is the handle on both places, and that's Papalia Meyer. That's P A P A L I A. M E I E R might be a little bit convoluted, but you know, we'll have that linked up in the show notes. Uh, and, and if you just start searching Tolus runner, it'll probably pop up there as well. Uh, but that's, that's the same handle on both places, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the title of the book, I am a runner, the memoirs of a sepsis survivor. And uh, as per usual, everything will be linked up social media accounts, websites, books, the whole nine disruns.com slash eight one eight is a link that'll take you back to the show notes today. So Maria, now that we got all the, all the important stuff out of the way, or at least all the, the housekeep housekeeping stuff, the details, uh, let's let's dive into the chat today, and, and the way we always start off each episode of the show is with uh, a very simple question. At least it's a simple question to ask. Sometimes it's a simple question to answer. Sometimes it's a, it's a, a tricky one, uh, but it, it's a great place to start out, no matter no matter how it, it takes us. And it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race, and why? So I've only done two distances. Uh, I ran a number of 5Ks before I was sick, um, and always wanted to run a half marathon. 
And I never actually got the opportunity to run the half marathon until I made my, um, I would say, my comeback to running mm -hmm. after my amputations. Um, I've run two half marathons, and um, I am signed up for two more. So I think that is my favorite distance. Um, I, I just really enjoy it. Uh, I still will do a few 5Ks now and then, but the, the half marathon is really my favorite. What, what do you enjoy about the half marathon? I think the sense of accomplishment. Um, my first one, you know, I was told I was never going to run again. Right. And I was actually training for my first half marathon before I got sick. Mm -hmm. And it was a goal of mine. And so now I think every time I run a half marathon, it's just a sense of accomplishment. Like I can do it. And I'm proving those who said I couldn't wrong right. um, by doing it. So it's just a huge sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I... I... I would say I can imagine, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I can imagine. Um, it's, 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 uh, I, yeah, I, I have a, a background in athletic training, uh, and so kind of sports science and, and sports medicine and whatnot. And I remember in, in class, uh, you know, back, back in the day, um, professors and, and, you know, kind of learning about how the, how the foot and ankle work and things like that. And it was always kind of a joke, but it was always kind of a bit serious too, that like, you know, you could, you could lap off all four of the little toes. And as long as you have your big toe, like, you know, once the pain subsides, like everything's, you're pretty much good. Like that's, that's, that's the big one. Um, and so, you know, and obviously we'll get to this a bit more in detail as we go, but you know, the fact that, that you are able to run without the big toe, cause that was always the thing. Like if, if the, if the, if the great toe is, is injured or, or, or damaged or out of commission, like that'll, that'll shut anybody down. So, so yeah, I can imagine, you know, just that, that sense of a, that you can, that you can do it. B you're, you're proving everybody wrong. Um, you know, I, I can, I can see why that half marathon and any distance, but certainly that, that type of distance, um, holds a pretty special place in your heart. Yes. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I have like a small half toe, a uh, big toe on my left foot. And that foot is actually worse for me than the foot that doesn't really? have the big toe. Yes. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know why it's kind of in the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I half joke and always say, I wish they had taken that off too. Cause it would have made things a lot easier uh, for me to start running again. Wow. wow. Um, actually, uh, I don't know if this gets off topic, but the, the half toe at first was straight. And what it would do is curl under when I would mm. try and start running or walking and it would make my ankle roll. Right. So on my third surgery, they actually took the half toe and moved it over sideways. And, um, so that made it easier to run. But um, I half think that if I didn't have a big toe on either foot, it would be be better. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, it, it obviously no way to to know uh, one way or the other. But but yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising if if you know having wow yeah having having a little bit there <laughs> is almost worse than having having nothing, and especially when when it's would be even then on both sides or at least more or less even on both sides. So maybe that would make it a little bit easier. Who who knows? Who knows? But uh, getting yeah. getting back to um, maybe a little bit kind of before, before you got sick, uh, like you said, you'd been running some five Ks and, and we're, we're training up for, um, your first, your first half marathon. What, what was, what, what got you into running to begin with? It was, you know, what, what got you started before, obviously before you got sick, but, but you know, what was the catalyst to get you running uh, in the first place? Yeah. Um, but my, my stress, um, mm. I was a definite type a personality. Um, I struggled with IBS. And the doctor looked at me and he said, you need to do something to help with your stress level. And so I just, I started running. Um, it was quick. It was easy. It was something that could fit into any schedule I had. I could easily go out for 30 minutes and, and knock out three miles and I would feel so much better after. Uh, so that's kind of why I got into running. Um, when we first moved up north, I had stopped running because it was so so cold. Mm. <laughs> and I am not a cold weather person. Um, and, and I kind of missed that, that runner's high that I was getting. I noticed that I was getting kind of, um, stressed out again, not feeling as well as I used to. Uh, so I got with some of my neighbors and started a little running group in, in my neighborhood. Uh, and that's how I kind of got back into it once we moved up, up North. And we had been running a number of, of five Ks and, I, I don't know if I'm getting a little off no, topic. Yeah, um, started running uh, a few 5Ks together as a group. 
And then there was the Zuma um, Cape Cod half marathon. Mm. And my neighbor and I looked at each other and we're like, should we try it? And so we signed up for it. And we had been training for it. And um, it was going to happen in September. And I had gotten sick in June. So I I never got to run it that year, Mm -hmm. but would run it later on. But really, I started running because of stress. I I needed a way to just relax, um, decompress, and and running was the best way for me to do it. Yeah, there's there's certainly no, no shortage of folks uh, listening right now, probably not in their head going, yeah, I can, I can relate to that as far as, you know, just needing, needing an outlet, needing something to burn, burn a little bit of, of anxiety or stress or, or all of the above. And I would imagine that, you know, as you talk about a little bit in the book as well, you didn't really want to move up North. Um, no. <laughs> but, but husband got a job. So, you know, you kind of, one of those sacrifices or one of those, those things that, that has to happen, you move up North and I'd imagine that that, you know, adds some stress to life as well. You, a new place getting settled. So probably not only the, the running, that helps with the stress when you're relocating. But like you said, you made some friends that way, got, got some, some folks in the neighborhood to run with you that had to kind of help to, to the, the social dynamic, I would imagine help with the stress as well. It did. And, and that's one of the things when I couldn't run, um, that, that really upset me because running is so social. Mm-hmm. Um, runners all have, I think like a special bond and, and it's like a, a network of people. So you don't always have to be friends with everybody at a race, but you you meet acquaintances and become friendly with people. Mm-hmm. I just feel like runners they're a, they're a special group. So when I when there was a time where I wasn't running or couldn't run, I feel like it took a lot of my social social life or social fun away. So I'm glad that I have that back. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I I, I kind of smiling to myself about you know if if I couldn't thinking for myself if I couldn't run like yeah that, I would have no social like that's that's what I like <laughs> I, I I mean I guess I have friends that that aren't runners but I mean. I, I see them, you know, once, once a year, once every couple of years, maybe it's, it's the friends that I run with. I mean, it's, it's all the time. It's, it's so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a big part of, of the fabric for, I think a lot of us is, is, you know, running is, is so many things. It's, it's exercise, it's social, it's uh, mental, it's emotional. It's, it, there's so many things that, that running solves and to have it taken away is, is tough. So um, you, you get settled into, into the new, the new environment, new, new group of running friends. Hey, let's, let's sign up to run this half marathon. And then obviously, uh, it, it doesn't happen because you get sick. What what was it, for the, maybe back up just a, a slight step um, before I get into the question I was about to ask. But for those that aren't aware, what what is sepsis? What 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 are the signs? What are the symptoms? How did you know that something was wrong? Like like wh- where where did you know the the the, the big version of, of sepsis? I guess for people that have no idea what we're talking about here. Yeah, and um, to be honest, the the best thing to do is to look at Sepsis Alliance. They have all of the symptoms that you can look for in adults and in children. I think the scariest thing for me is I, I didn't know. Um, I was laying in bed thinking I had the flu. And really what I had was a strep infection um, and it went untreated. So it got into my bloodstream and I was going septic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I laid in bed for a few days thinking that I had the flu. And, and honestly, had I laid there for another hour or so, I wouldn't be here talking to you wow. today. So I think um, looking back on it, there were signs, but I didn't know what they were. Uh, I did have a high fever. I had a rash that started on my stomach and spread to my arms, which was the strep rash. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. I just thought it was from, you know, the irritation from something I was wearing on my stomach. And then I was doing some weeding outside. So I figured the rash was just from that. And I had flu-like symptoms. Uh, the hallucinations were, were another key that I just, I thought I was dehydrated and, and tired, but I would certainly suggest that people go online and, and look at Sepsis Alliance because you can go septic from many different things. Uh, the flu, strep, um, just a general infection that you get from a cut. Uh, MRSA is another big one. Mm-hmm. After surgery, uh, you can get an infection from the surgery and go septic from that. So it's just an infection that gets into your bloodstream. And if you don't get immediate attention for it, it could be deadly. Uh, what I actually had was septic shock, which is, is the worst kind. All my organs shut down. Um, I actually coded twice when I was in the hospital. I was in the ICU for two weeks. 
Um, and the reason why I lost my toes is because they gave me presser meds to keep all the blood flow to my organs and it mm -hmm. took away all the blood flow to my extremities. Right. So when I woke up, my feet were actually black from my ankles to the tips of my toes and my fingers had started turning gray, but thankfully they, they came back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's it's obviously a, a scary situation, and, and and like you said, something that can can come out kind of from from nowhere, you know, some sometimes in, in certain situations. Um, and and yeah, once it's in your obviously anything in your blood that translates all throughout your body, which which causes all kinds of of problems and complications. So, um, what was you know so so you find out like or like you said, if you would have stayed in bed for for too much longer probably would, you know, almost certainly wouldn't be having this conversation today, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have, have come through it. Um, so what, what happened when you, when you got to the hospital? I mean, uh, you know, you get there and, and you know, as, as much as, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Just go ahead. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, so my husband, actually, we, I had a doctor's appointment, so we mm -hmm. went to my doctor's office and I couldn't walk two feet without having to sit down. And I remember him saying at the time, like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Because I, I usually have a little I always think I'm on death's door. So mm. he's uh, you know, he didn't know what was happening. And as soon as we walked into the doctor's office, the nurse came out and she could see how sick I was. And she went and got the doctor immediately. Uh, they called an ambulance immediately. And after I got on the gurney in the ambulance, I really don't remember anything else mm. until I woke up two weeks later. Wow. So yeah. is, I'm, I'm assuming then, and, and I kind of know from, from the book as well, but I mean, it was, a, it was an induced coma to, to help fight the infection with the infection and everything. It, it was, it was. Um, and you know, one, one of the things that I feel is important to let people know as well is you have to advocate for yourself. Mm. Um, I'm very blessed that my husband was by my side the whole time. Uh, initially, we went to a hospital that was a good hospital, but couldn't take care of me and, and what I needed. They didn't have dialysis. They right. didn't have different things. Um, so we ended up getting transferred to Brigham and Women's in Boston. But had he not been there and so involved in what was going on in my care, I, I mean, I wouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much, obviously, you're in a coma, so you don't, you don't, you don't remember any of, of this part of what the question I'm going to ask. So, you know, we can, we can fill in the gaps if, if you have to, and if not, we can, we can move on. But, um, like you said, you know, your husband's advocating for you and, and you know, the, the one hospital that you were at just wasn't able to, to handle what you needed. Um, how, 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 for lack of a better way of asking it, how, how close mm -hmm. did you get to, to not making it through even once you were, were in the care of the, the medical system? Um, I was not given a, a very good chance, mm -hmm. even once I got to bring them in women's because I was in such bad shape. Right. Um, I will have to say that when we went back to visit the, the doctors and nurses, they did say the fact that I was in such good shape and is, is a reason why it was, why I recovered, um, mm -hmm. part of the reason, because I was in great physical condition before I got sick from running. Um, and I think that that helped me pull through. Um, and it also helped me rebound quicker than I think most people when, when I was starting to exercise again and, and build up my strength to eventually start running again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that I've, I've heard from a, a few folks with a variety of, of instances, both on the podcast and in, in real life situations where, you know, it's, it's something that I think it's easy at least for my, for myself, I won't speak for anybody else on this one, but I, it's easy for me sometimes to over, uh, or undervalue what running can do for me besides, you know, just being healthy in the moment and, and working towards running goals. But if, if something were to happen, being fit, you know, and, and, and taking care of your body on a day-to-day -day basis really gives you your best chance of coming through quicker. And, and, in, and obviously in your case, maybe coming through at all, as opposed to, to not making it just because your body's healthier going into the situation, if that whole convoluted way of thinking makes sense. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, my husband was, his weight has always fluctuated, but he has always been overweight. Mm. Uh, and I think like this whole situation taught us how important health is, how important fitness is. 
and he's lost a hundred pounds. Um, it took him 18 months, but he has kept it off. Um, he may have gained five, five pounds back or fluctuate a little Mm -hmm. bit during the holidays, but we've made a total commitment to health in our house. Now we don't always eat the healthiest, but we try every night. Uh, we do make exercising a priority. We do have the kids exercise. They're very active. Um, so in our house, we know how important it is to be healthy and have a healthy lifestyle if we do want to be here for the long run. Yeah, abs- absolutely. That's, that's congratulations to your husband. Or, or you can pass that along to him. That's, that's, yeah, uh, I will. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and, and the, the biggest part, and, and, you know, you say it, it took him 18 months and, and this is going to get off, off track a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. that, to me, that says that, that he did it, you know, in a sustainable way. And, and there's, there's obviously parallels we can stay, take to, to running or to anything as far as, you know, sometimes it's the instant fix might be the, the one that you want, but it's not always the one that lasts. And we hear so many stories of folks that lose a bunch of weight and then gain it, gain it back versus taking a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever, however long it takes to, to slowly lose the weight or slowly build your fitness or, or slowly train for a certain distance, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those, those changes then um, are the ones that really stick around. And yeah, there might be a little fluctuation here and there, but it's nothing, it's no dramatic swings. It's just a little, a little blip and then you, you get back on track and it's no big deal. So, um, I, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And, and even though it, it took as long as it did, that's probably better in the long run anyway. It is. And I think people look at him and, and some people that haven't seen him around town have to do a double take mm-hmm. cause he looks like a totally different person. But it has to be a lifestyle change. Right. And, you know, we were looking as our kids get older, we were looking to do stuff together and we actually run together now. Awesome. Uh, we run together, do our long runs on the weekend and we did one half marathon together and we're looking forward to doing another one. Awesome. So it's awesome. Yeah, that, awesome. that really is. That really is. So so back to um, back to the dark part of the story, waking, waking <laughs> up in the in the in the, the hospital, coming out of the, the coma. Um what what was it like when you're when you're waking up as much as you can I'm sure it was a bit of a blur and 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 you know it's been a, it's been a, a, at least a, a few years so it's it's not super recent history thankfully but um you know you, you wake up like you know w- when they when they took you out of the coma was it was it at that point fairly positive outlook or was it still pretty dicey or or what was it like that those first few days few weeks after you're you're kind of getting a, a feel of what's going on and 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 where your body's at and all that kind of stuff yeah. So, so I'm lucky because my husband documented everything. Every day mm. I was in the hospital, he wrote a letter to me and, and told me what was going on, including when I woke up because I was on a lot of, a lot of drugs. Mm. Um, so some of my memories are, are a little skewed, but I do remember waking up and looking at my feet. And I think at that point I was still on dialysis and I was going to have to do that for a while, but everything else looked great. You know, mm. I came back strong. Everything else was working. Um, I think my husband was upset because he knew at some point I was either going to lose my feet or just my toes. That mm-hmm. part, I think, was still a little unknown. And I think for me, when I looked at my feet, it was a shock. But, you know, I never thought how hard it would be to lose a few toes. I guess I didn't really know at that point in time right. how much it would affect everything else. But that I don't really remember that much from, from waking up. Okay. So, so then, but as, as the process comes up, you know, plays out and, and it gets to the point where the decision is made that, that you're going to lose the toes. What what was, Mm -hmm. what was that? I mean, uh, on the one hand, I feel like, you know, big picture, like, you know, you're still alive. Everything else is working. Every, you got all the other faculties, everything, everything else is good except for the, the toes. So there's, there's something to be grateful for there. But on the other hand, like, losing your toes like that's like i said earlier i mean that's that's no minor thing like it's something that maybe we don't think about as much but every time you walk every time you take you know stub your toe and you realize how how important your toes are when when it's not working correctly and now all of a sudden you know the decision is being made to that that we're going to have to amputate all of them um yeah what was what was that kind of thought process and, and emotional state like for you so um we had been seeing a vascular surgeon um and going to appointments and he, he looked at my feet and cause they were self amputating themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which means the dead skin was falling off and newer skin was, was growing up. And he had felt that we had gotten to a point where nothing else was going to change. So he suggested a metatarsal amputation, uh, which would have left me 
with, with not a lot. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I, you know, that was a big decision. And I said, you know what, before we make this kind of decision, I really want to get a second opinion. Uh, so he referred us to an orthopedic doctor who then referred us to the wound center. And long story short, I actually, because I took that track, I was actually able to keep more of my foot. Mm. We were traveling to Boston once a week and I would go to the wound center and they would basically cut away all of the dead skin to let new growth come mm -hmm. through. And that's why I was allowed to keep more of my foot. And at the time, honestly, I thought that the same thing, like you said, like losing a few toes, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a big deal until I actually lost the toes. Um, and I realized how much you use them for balance. Right. I had to learn how to walk again. Um, there were so many different things that I just didn't even think about because I thought, well, they're just a few toes. How bad mm -hmm. could it be? Yeah, it's it, it, you know, like like I said, it's it's you know, you kick something with your bare feet, and and you realize when you start walking the next, you know, after that, they like how how important they are. Um, so it, at what point in in this whole whole scenario of seeing the specialist, getting the opinions, figuring out what we're going to do, um, w was there any thought of running here at all as far as how that was going to impact things, or, or was that still like? not even part of the equation because we're just happy we're alive and, and, and able to function for the most part, save for a couple of toes. Yeah. I think in the back of my mind, I always knew I was going to run again. I, I think sitting in the doctor's office, because I did have a few setbacks with my left foot, um, sitting, sitting there in, in the office when the doctor told me, you know, I should pick a different sport running just wasn't going to happen for me anymore is when it really hit me mm -hmm. like, Oh shoot. Right. You know, this this isn't going to happen. Um, so that was a bad day was was in tears in the in the doctor's office and uh, in tears for a few days after that. And I, I do have to say not being able to run for a while did open my mind to new things that I never thought I would try that I feel now helps me with my with my running. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those being the hot yoga. Mm -hmm. um, the yoga actually is helped me get my balance back. Mm -hmm. um, it also helped me with the relaxation piece. And it's it's a lot of stretching and, and whatnot that I feel helps me when I go out for, for a run. So it did kind of open my mind to new things, but I, I never gave up. In the back of my head, you know, w once you're a runner, you're always a runner. Mm -hmm. And when somebody tells you you can't do it anymore, I think sometimes... Once I got over my pity party, I was like, but I can. Like, I knew in my heart that that's what I wanted to do, and and I worked towards it. And it wasn't easy. It, it took me a long, long time, um, a few years. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that my first part was, was getting stronger. I was really, really weak, really weak, deconditioned. Uh, so I hired a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And um, I hired somebody. I was looking for one. And a lot of people gave me suggestions. And they said, well, you might want to stay away from this one gentleman. He's kind of tough. And I was like, no, that's exactly the one I need. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I, I didn't want anybody to pity me because I didn't have my toes. I didn't want anybody to go easy on me because I didn't have my toes. And he and I actually had a great relationship. You know, I communicated with him when something would hurt or didn't feel right, and we would work through it or modify something. But he also didn't let me show up at the gym, and he could see the look on my face like I just wasn't into it. Then mm -hmm. he pushed me harder, right. you know. So I think sometimes you need that tough love and, and somebody that's going to be, be tough on you. Um, and then once I did get my strength back, when, when I was at Spalding Rehab in Cambridge, Mass, and I would remember getting wheeled out in my wheelchair to go outside, and I'd see signs for the running clinic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? When I want to start running again, these are going to be the people to help me. And when I had my strength back, I actually applied to do an assessment at the running clinic and got in. And thanks to my therapist there, uh, I'm running again. Wow. So, so I, I, 
can assume and know a bit from from looking through the book as well and and um but but uh you know we'd, we'd love to dive into just a little bit of of what that process was yeah. like as far as getting back because that's you know we think sometimes I'll talk about on the show sometimes about, you know, making little tweaks to your form or, you know, changing, changing how you run to maybe try to reduce the risk of this injury or that injury or this problem or whatever's going on. Um, but you know, quite obviously you're, I mean, you know, to say that you were relearning how to run is probably an understatement. I mean, that's, that's literally what was, what was happening. So what was, what was that process like of, of, you know, the mindset is there, we're going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to run again. I know the doctors are saying no, and I should find something different to do, but I've built my strength back up. Um, I've got, I've, I've got the, the willingness to, to put in the work and make it happen. But you know, how did, how, how long was that process? How, how much of a struggle was that process? Were there, were there times along the way where you're just like, you know what the hell with it like this, I want to do it, but mm-hmm. man, this just isn't, isn't happening. Um, you know, how, how did that process play out? Yeah. So there, there was a few times where I said, forget it. Mm. Uh, I I think the most important part was to get my strength back because I didn't have the strength. Like it, it, I didn't have the, um, I was still very deconditioned. That's why I think the strength training and working out with the trainer had to be my number one priority. Plus I didn't know anything else. I was a runner. Mm. I didn't do anything else but run. So I, you know, I didn't know what to do at the gym. Uh, So that was my first part. Then as I started getting stronger, and I should say at this point, I was using an orthotic in my sneakers uh, to help me with balance, to help keep my feet straight. But I think I mentioned before I had that little half toe, Mm -hmm. my uh, big toe, and it was digging into the orthotic and causing my ankle to roll. Right. So when I got to a point where I started to try running um, and started running a little bit, it just kept hurting. Uh, the, the pain in my ankle was, was too much. So my doctor suggested that we do a cortisone shot. Mm. Uh, and I was supposed to go out and go for a run before my appointment to get my ankle as sore as possible. So when I went in, uh, we could tell if the shot was, was working or Mm. not. So I went out for a run in our neighborhood and on my way home, I fell. I fell close to home. I cut up my knee and I started crying. I was like, forget it. I'm done. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing this. Uh, And my husband kind of brought me back and got me, got me um, back on my, on my path. And then I went for the cortisone shot. And I have to say that was the worst pain I have (laughs) ever felt in my life. (laughs) I was, I said, if this is the only way I can run, I I'm, I'm done. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I can't do it. Um, anyway, uh, long story short, fast forward a little bit. The only other way to really correct the problem was to have a third surgery on my left foot, uh, which he did a, a tendon release, moved my half toe over, and then had to clean out a bunch of tissue from my mm. ankle. Uh, once that was done, I said, okay, what's my next step? I have my strength back. My, my feet are doing well. What is my next step? And it was the running clinic. When I went to the running clinic, I had to be able to pass a, a very intense in- assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 30, 30 minutes of running, not continuous, but I was going to have to run with sneakers on, and then I was going to have to run barefoot. Mm-hmm. And when they asked me if I could do it, I, <laughs> I, of course, said I could, but I had no idea if I could do it or not. But I knew when my appointment came, because it was a long waiting period before I could get in, I knew I had to be there. So mm-hmm. I worked hard. to. Kn- so I knew when I went, I, I could do it. Um, I passed the assessment, got into the, the running clinic for therapy. I want to say it was about a year that I was there. Um, and the first thing they did was take away my orthotics. Then, mm-hmm. uh, and, and their theory was my feet have to be able to feel the ground. So I don't run in like a minimalist sneaker, but almost a a minimalist sneaker. It's got a very low drop Mm -hmm. in the back. Um, so I can feel the ground and that keeps my feet from rolling. Um, and basically when I got there, I, I couldn't start running right away. We worked on strengthening, balancing, and all those kinds of things before Mm -hmm. I could start running on my own. And it was November, right before Thanksgiving, that I was given the green light to start running on my own. But the whole process took about three years uh, for me to get back, back into it. 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things. Like I said, it, it it makes sense that it would take a long time, and and you know, as as much as as we all, at least I think we most of us like to think that we're we're patient folks, and we we don't mind you know putting in the work and, and getting the results. Um, it's it's an instant gratification type of world that we live in, and and I mean the idea of of all the struggles and and as many downs as there probably are ups, maybe more downs than there were ups at, at some points in there. Um, you know, just kudos to you for having, having the mindset, having the focus, having the the willingness to keep doing the work and, and make it happen. And, and now, like you said at the beginning, now, now you're able to, you know, you're, you're back, you're able to do long runs with, with your husband, be active with your kids, uh, run, run a half marathon and, and, and all the while have it in the back of your head that man, that those, those doctors, I showed them like, you know, they, yeah. they, they said I'd never do this. And, and here we are doing it and, and, and doing it multiple times, doing it more than once. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, good Lord willing, no, no end in sight anytime soon. Yeah. Well, and, and I know my physical therapist did a a case study on, on my treatment and whatnot, but I think part of it too is, you know, when you're going to the doctor, their job is to get you where you want to be, you know, or well enough, I was walking, so Mm -hmm. that's fine. And you're not, you're not going to run again, but it, it's your own personal, um, you, I, I found out that I had to do everything on my own. Nobody was going to come to me and say, okay, you want to run again. These are the steps that you have to take. Uh, and there were a lot of ups and downs and it was hard. Um, but in the end, in my heart, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I think that's part of the reason why I wrote the the book. Um, and the reason for my for my blog that I started is because I do want people to know, and it's actually the the mission of the Tolis Runner, is that you can do anything that you set your mind to. Uh, you just have to get rid of the obstacles, and most of the time, I think the obstacles that stand in our way are, are our own obstacles, or what other people are telling us that we can and can't do. Um, and if we just listen to ourselves and what's in our heart, I think you can accomplish anything. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly drowning out the noise is a big part of the, the process for, for a lot of folks in a lot of, of different areas, but we'd love to, to get into the book for a second. And, and, uh, I mean, you kind of just answered a little bit. The, the first question I was going to ask about, about why, why, you know, to, to write it all down, but how, how was the book writing process for you? Was it, um, I know sometimes the, those types of things can be a bit therapeutic. Um, and I would imagine that sometimes it can, especially in, in this type of story, um, it can be a little bit tough to go back and kind of relive, the details. And, and, um, I know it mentions in there during that, that two week window or whatever it was, two and a half weeks when you were, when you were in the coma, um, you know, you're relying on stories and, and, and firsthand, uh, information from, from your husband, from the doctors, from the folks that were there. Um, you know, was, was the process of writing and going back? Was it, was it good? Was it bad? Was it a little bit both? Was it, was it tough? Like how did, how did the, uh, the emotional side of reliving it go? Yeah, I, I think a little bit of both. Um, it took me two years to be able to read that letter that my husband wrote while I was, was in the hospital. Um, I think it was a hard process for all of us, uh, especially the kids, um, because they were kind of having to relive it over again because we were talking a lot about it. Um, and my kids were, were little when it first happened. Um, the the emotions, I think they, they were tough, Um but, you know, those two weeks, I don't remember anything. And to read about it sometimes makes it feel like I, I'm reading about somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know that pain and that trauma. I would say after um, just knowing what I went through and looking back on it, it was difficult. But I, I know how it how it ended. And that's what I tried to tell tell the kids, too. You know, we all know how this this right. ended and, and how it ended up. So. I would say a little emotion, um, but you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's okay. It's, it's, it's a mixed bag, I'm, I'm sure. And, and what about the actual writing of the book itself? You know, say for the, if, if you, if it's possible to separate the content out, which I don't know that it probably completely is, but, um, I do know that, that writing a book, at least in my, in my singular experience so far, um, it's 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 a lot more involved process than what uh, I anticipated it was going in. It took a lot longer. It was there's a lot of uh, hangups and whatnot along the way. Uh, how how was the actual writing, editing, proofing, publishing? How did how did that process play out for you? Yeah, so it, that was actually um, I I had 
put together all the information and I knew I wanted to write the book. I was told by multiple people I should write the book, but I've never done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. So I actually started off with um, someone I was looking to ghostwrite the book for me. Um, and long story short, that didn't work out. And then a gentleman that I used to work with, his sister was a writer. Mm. So she and I kind of worked together to write the book. Uh, so I gave her all the information and we went back and forth to put everything together. Uh, I guess I didn't know how the whole publishing part worked. <laughs> okay. She did in, in the process and the, and the length of time that it, it took. So she kind of guided me along the way, and it was a partnership between the two of us. Um, but she did most of the editing and, and all that. I just provided her with the with the information, and it was a collaboration. Gotcha, gotcha. What's been um, well? What 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 was it? What was it like for you to hold the book in your hands for the first time, and, and to and to just be like, wow, like like. This my name is on it. This is my story. Here, here it is. What was mm-hmm. what was that feeling like? Oh, I cried. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, the first time I saw it is my friends were ordering it, uh, and they actually had a copy in their hand before <laughs> I had my copies because I was ordering a, a, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And when I went over and I saw it on the table, I was like, "Oh my God, this is me." Like this, this is my story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it had been, um, sorry, I'm tearing up a little bit. Um, It had been a a long process just to get there and to find somebody to help me to write it. So to see it was very emotional, very emotional. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's, 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 it's definitely, like I said, I mean, I, I know, I know how much of the process is, but, but my, my book isn't, isn't nearly as personal, isn't nearly as, as, uh, you know, heavy with the emotion that, that obviously that yours is and certainly not something I'm as attached to as, as you are to, to this book. So I can, I can only imagine how, how that all felt. Um, what's, what's been the, the feedback so far? Have, have you, have you heard from, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's great to hear from, from friends and, and people that kind of know your story, but have you, have you been hearing from folks that, that are for lack of a better way of saying it, strangers that have found your book and, and read it and gotten something from it? What, what's, what's that been like? Yeah. Um, and actually, when I did my book launch at the Unlikely Story here in Plainville, I had people show up there um, and tell me, you know, they, they came so I could sign the book for them. Mm-hmm. And they told me about their stories and, and what they had been through. And um, they found a lot of inspiration in, in what I wrote. So that was really good. Um, I did a talk for one of my friends to her employees and they came up after and they hadn't read the book yet, but I, I had kind of highlighted some stuff for them and they thanked me for sharing my story. They found it very inspirational. Um, and then what's really cool is when other people turn around and share their stories with me, you know, things that had come up in their life. And I think that that is awesome. Um, because not only I, I do think my story is inspirational, but I do feel that there's so many other people that have inspirational stories. And I feel like we can all gain strength from one another by reading about each other. And, um, so it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome. That's that's fantastic, and certainly hearing people tell the stories is nice as well. So I, I certainly appreciate you uh, being willing to, to share today, and, and um, you know, hopefully some some folks will grab a copy of the book. Once again, the, the book title: "I Am a Runner: The Memoirs of a Sepsis Survivor." Um, and again, it, it's it's on the Amazons, and it'll be in the in the show notes as well. If you want to check it out through there, uh, we'll have the links up. So, um, Mar- Maria, thank you obviously for for taking the time. We got one one kind of last question for you before we wrap things up. Um, and, and I've, I've been, I guess for a while now, I, I, I sometimes say I've, I've been recently calling this, but I think recently is about four years now. So it's, it's not too recent. <laughs> um, but, but I kind of call it the philosophical question at the end, which is, which is a fancy way of just kind of saying, uh, you know, a fairly open-ended question, um, sometimes fairly specific to the conversation, sometimes a little, a little bit more vague, but I think today's a little bit probably more, more on the specific side of things, but, um, I'd be curious if you can, and if, and if, and if you can, if this, if this goes over like a lead balloon, then it goes over like a lead balloon and we'll wrap it up. But, um, if you can kind of compare and contrast a little bit, what running is to you now versus what running was like when you first moved up North or, or maybe before the move, when you were, when you were still living, uh, around Atlanta and, and, you know, everything's everything's good and and you know no health issues you're kind of getting into running 
what what is 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 it possible to compare and contrast kind of the differences of, of the outlook, what running maybe means to you? Um, you know, it's very open ended. You can kind of compare and contrast however you want to, but what running was like before you got sick versus what running is like to you now? Yeah, I think before was running, uh, running was something that I did because I needed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed that, that runner's high, I needed to de-stress it. Now running to me is a blessing. Um, every day that I'm able to go out and put my sneakers on and, um, do, you know, do my runs, uh, it's, it's a blessing. It's, it's more of a gift. It's something that on days where I feel like I don't want to go out for a run, I look at, look at me and I'm like, you know what? I don't really have an excuse not to go for a run. God gave me this gift. Um, and I'm going to go out and do it. So I actually appreciate it more than I did before. I think before it was just something that I did it became part of my routine, but now I feel like every time I go out and I put my sneakers on, it's, it's, it's more, it's, it's more of a, of a gift. And, and I feel like I'm doing it for more than just me. I feel like I'm doing it for all those people who feel like they can't, um, but want to. Uh, so I feel like when I go out and I, I blog about it or I post about it, Hopefully, I'm encouraging somebody else to do it as well, to get out there and, and get moving. So it's not always, it's not just about me and the mechanics anymore. It's it's so much more. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely does. It's, it's a, a beautiful way to put it and a, and a great way to, to kind of put a bow on this thing for today. So uh, once again, guys, thetolusrunner.com is the website, Instagram, Twitter, at Papalier. Papalia, sorry, get, get my, my letters are mixed around here. <laughs> Papalia Meyer, uh, again, P-A-P-A-L-I-A-M-E-I-E-R. Uh, all all one, one jumbled mess of letters right there on Instagram and Twitter. Um, but again, we'll have that linked up in the show notes. Dizruns.com slash 818. And once again, the title of the book, I Am a Runner, The Memoirs of a Sepsis Survivor. Uh, get yourself a copy. It's, it's a good one. It's a good read. Uh, and it's again, it's one of those things where it's nice to know that the story has a good ending, uh, especially when you're getting into it. And it's, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit tough. But uh, Maria, thank you for being willing to come and, and share share your story today, uh, no doubt motivating others to to share their stories and, and to keep pushing through. Uh, so again, thank you so much for the time today and certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Maria and myself. And, and I mean, what a story. What a story. And uh, as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was what was something that Maria said today that really kind of resonated with you, that, that s- struck a chord, that, that is still rattling around in your brain, uh, even though we're, we're done talking? Uh, for me, it was kind of the, it, it was a bit of a theme throughout a couple different parts of, of the conversation. But, uh, you know, to try to, to try to sum it up somewhat neatly, it's just the idea of, of really putting in the necessary work and taking it one step at a time. Um, you know, and I guess it was really most exemplified when Marie was talking about kind of coming out of, out of the surgery and, and, you know, being healthy, having her toes removed and, and that process of getting to where she's running again and, and recognizing that it's not start right with the running. It's start with building the strength working on the balance, working on the stability, all of these, these steps that were a part of the process that ultimately led to her being able to run. And it wasn't an easy process as, as she talked about and certainly gets into more depth about in the book. Um, but it was that willingness to recognize that, you know, I need to do a first, then B, then C. And I think that, that I'm certainly guilty of this. Maybe you are as well where sometimes it's, it's kind of easy to put the cart in front of the horse, right? Sometimes it's easy to want to, you know, dive right into the running or dive right into various parts of, of other areas of your life and not having the, the wisdom, not having the perspective, not having the patience to recognize that, nope, before, before we do, do D, I need to do A, B, and C. You know, before I, before I get to this thing that, that is ultimately the goal, ultimately where I want to be for Maria, obviously being back to being able to run again, despite what the doctors told her, despite what the, the experts assumed would be the case, despite what I would have figured would have been possible if, if I had known where she was uh, a handful of years ago at, at this point of getting her, to- her toes removed, despite the fact that she wanted to run, she recognized she needed to start, start 
I don't want to say more simply, but she needed to start somewhere different and build up to running eventually. And that's just a, a huge reminder for me in my running life, in my, my family life, in my business life, in pretty much in, in my every life. Um, it's good perspective, good reminder for me to recognize that you can't just go right to the, to the thing you want to do all the time. Sometimes you can, but not always, not always, probably not most of the time. Probably the, the better bet typically is to, to shore up the base, build the strength, build the balance build the coordination or whatever that plays out to uh, the, me- the metaphorical strength balance and, and uh, stability and coordination, wherever that plays into the other areas of your life, and then start running. And even that part's not going to be easy, and it's going to be you know uh, a, a process, but it's a much smoother process if you put the, the other parts in place first. So that was, that was my takeaway, the importance of putting in the work, being patient, um, and recognizing starting where you need to start to get to where you ultimately want to go. Uh, definitely something that I'm going to be continuing to chew on, uh, for a while after this one, because it's, it's, there's a lot of depth to that lesson, I think. Um, and, uh, I appreciate Maria's willingness to, to share not only that, but, but her entire story as well. So, uh, that's my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know. We'd love to hear it at Dizruns on Twitter at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also find me, uh, by sending an email Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course you can head over to the show notes today. Uh, we got links to Maria's social media. We got links to the book. Uh, we got photos, the whole nine yards, Dizruns.com slash eight one eight is the link for today's show notes. Uh, head over there while you're there, leave yourself, uh, not leave yourself, leave me, a comment in the comment section at the bottom of the page, sharing your thoughts and feedbacks and takeaways and what stood out to you from today's episode. So with that, that's where we'll start to put this thing, uh, into, into park. Uh, one last, one last mention for the little things course, check it out. If you haven't done so already, disruns.com slash little things. Uh, it'll take you right there. Sign up. Every, like I said, everything's free. There's, and there's nothing like behind a paywall eventually. Like it's all it's all free. It's all real, really straightforward, hopefully helpful. Uh, let me know what you think of it. Those that have checked it out already, let me know your thoughts. Uh, I got new courses coming. And uh, obviously, if there's things about this one that you don't like, uh, as far as how it's set up or how it's structured, let me know so I can make the next the next courses better. And maybe go back and tweak this one a little bit. I mean, this is still a, a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. Always happy to go back and fix it if there's things that I missed that uh, you think would make it better. So let me know your feedback. If it's positive, negative, or, or anywhere in between, uh, disruns.com slash little things. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, thank you all for listening once again. If you enjoyed this episode, please uh, feel free to share it with a friend. That's uh, a huge way to uh, really move the needle, really impact the trajectory of the show and uh, what we're able to do here and, and uh, hopefully what, what I'm able to do for you going forward as the show continues to grow. More and more options and opportunities come my way, which means more and more opportunities come your way as well so thank you for all you do to to spread the word to support the show to support what we're doing i appreciate y'all more than i can possibly express but uh just know that i i thank you thank you is just leave it at that right thank you that's that's the name of the game so until next time y'all please be well take care thanks again for listening and uh, we'll talk again soon right see you guys